the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's all I want. She's blonde, five foot two. It's all I need, yeah. And one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is my America. Woo! It's Friday night. There's nowhere I'd rather be, especially on the Friday night of Memorial Day weekend with Memorial Day coming up. And I'm glad that y'all are here with me on hour two, hour dos, hour do. Do I need to start even getting more international with my languages? I would just say two, girl. (laughs) Hour two of tonight's Andrea Kay show. We have a gold star mom coming up for y'all. What really happened with the Green Berets over in Niger? That was a story you may not remember. It didn't get as much play as it probably should, but it was actually controversial during the Trump administration. And in the truth, I'm not sure ever really came out. And we've got Gold Star wife, Michelle Black, who's going to be here after the next break. We're going to be honoring the fallen who gave all during that mission. She's going to be here to talk about it. She documented it in her book called Sacrifice, A Gold Star's, A Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. And so you're going to definitely want to stay tuned for that. We're going to continue our discussion about gun control in this country because they're going to be continuing it. And one of the big stories coming out of Texas has to do with the fact that he celebrated his 18th birthday by spending about $5,000 on a bunch of weaponry. We don't know where he got the money to do it since he was unemployed. A lot of questions. There's even some people saying, is this a red flag operation going on? How is it that the cops stood down, didn't go in there, and this dude magically has five grand that he can spend on this stuff? I'm, I don't, I haven't seen anything yet that indicates anything about a false flag. I do think that there are people, even conservatives, that are going, you know what? You can't drink alcohol in this country till you're 21. Should you be able to buy a gun at 18? But then again, we've got our military. In fact, I've got a story for you in a moment about Joe Biden <laughs> speaking today. The Joe. At, oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Joe Biden speaking. At, imagine you're you have made it through four years at one of the top educational institutions still in this country it's almost impossible to get into while you're there. It's particularly grueling. And you find out that your commencement speaker is Joe Biden. We got that story to bring to y'all in a minute. Um, But my question for you guys is, and I kind of talked, touched on this story a while back about the fact that there are some people like upwards of two thirds, I think from a poll that was done said that 18 is kind of an arbitrary number to make uh, people adults. And that maybe we should think about raising that age. And I actually put it out there to you guys. What does it mean to be an adult? We have to have some number that we use to where you're now old enough to enter into a contract, um, you know, be, be con- consent 
uh, to sex, you know, uh, you know, from not being a minor. I think we have to have an age for that. And I think 18 should still be a reasonable age. I think 18 is perfect. I think 18 is fine. Now, does that mean everybody at 18 is mature? Of course not. There's some people that are roaming around at 60-something years of age that never emotionally matured. They still hold temper tantrums and just so, but we have to have a number. And I think, and I think to rate, I think one reason why are people as mature as they should be at 18? No. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't like the stupidity of Obamacare, you know, companies, insurance companies forcing uh, uh, parents to keep a kid on their insurance policy until they're 26. I said then, if you're 26 years old, you shouldn't be dependent, still dependent on mommy and daddy. For any reason. Now, of course, you can have life hit you hard and have to move back in and start over again. But just in general, they've been infantilizing kids in this country for a long time, doing everything that they can to not prepare people to become adults. But whether or not somebody but the, the age of adulthood in this country is not the reason why this happened in Texas. What did we say before? You cannot legislate away evil. If this guy was going to go and and murder 21 people, including 19 little kids, he would do it at 17. He would do it at 29. He would do it at 49 because it doesn't have anything to do with maturity at this point. And I don't think other mature adults at 18 should be punished just like law abiding citizens shouldn't be punished and have their guns taken away from them when they've done absolutely nothing wrong. These are our rights as an Americans. I don't think that we need to punish other people who are who are mature and adults. I moved away from home at seventeen and was pretty much on pretty much on my own at that point. So if I hadn't been considered when I did turn eighteen to be an adult, that would have been unfair to me. So that's my thoughts there. But you can feel free to to disagree with me if you want. Eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Okay, let's get to speaking of eighteen. You know, we've got you know eighteen um, year olds fighting and dying for our country, right, in the military. Well, there was a military ceremony that took place uh, today. It was at Annapolis, United States Naval Academy. Uh, I've got uh, <coughs> uh, my one of my closest friends has a son there. She actually attended the ceremony today. She <laughs> and she texted me about how Joe Biden started telling some biggies, started telling some big gaffes while he was there. But before we get into the little lies that he was telling, um, even before that, even for the lies, he started creeping on 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 the poor graduates there that, of course, as being members. And by the way, when they're when you're when you're a member of a military uh, academy like that, whether it's Annapolis, West Point or any of them, you technically can be called up to service in any moment. So when the POTUS shows up, that's technically your commander in, in chief. And so there's forced to, to like put up with this dude and forced to show respect to this dude in spite of him speaking to them like this. You've all got so much to be proud of. You really do. By the way, once you're commissioned, remember, I'm your commander in chief. <laughs> so don't ask me too tough a question, okay? I mean, we, I, I'm your commander in chief. Can you, I mean, is that, why creep like that? It's so creepy. These are, he goes on to talk about how they're the great, greatest fighting force in the world. And I don't know if I would say that about the Navy. I mean, you know, they're, they're not, I don't consider Navy, I guess they are a fighting force, particularly since the Naval Academy actually is where you, if you go to the Naval Academy, you can actually even choose the Marines to go into the Marines from that. So it's absolutely true. It's true that he's, you know, commemorating them as, 
um, members of quote members of the greatest fighting force in the history of the world. Absolutely true. Um, but then he then he do, then he goes off the rails from true and starts talking about how I've seen you in action. I don't think he was whispering when he said this. Skins, I've seen you in action. This is the finest military, not a joke. He says we have the finest military in the history of the world. He goes on to say, in fact, you know, I've been over there to Iraq and Afghanistan like. 450 times, he said. Lied about my age and joined the army. I was, uh, I was 13 at the time. Yeah. I went to Vietnam and I was injured catching a mortar shell in my teeth. <laughs> and it made me a three-star general. Yeah, that's a ticket. You bet it is. Okay. That, <laughs> that's, that, it, was that some sound that you magically got from the commencement address today at the Naval Academy? That didn't sound like Joe Biden to me. Well, it kind of sounds like, it, well, he wasn't whispering there. He wasn't whispering there. That's creepy. But he's talking about he's talking about catching a catching a mortar round in his teeth. Good old Joe. <laughs> of course, that was John Lovitz from back in the day, back when Saturday Night Live. Who remembers that? What the name of that skit was? Um, I thought about that skit today, and it's called "The Pathological Liar" with John Lovitz. Thanks because, to KD. Is that what is that what we got going on here? I mean, this guy just goes around to to the Naval Academy. And let me tell you, I know from my bestie's friend being there how tough it is to get into this institution and how grueling it is when you get there. In fact, I went to visit Woodrow um, back, I think it was in the fall of 2019. I posted some pictures on social media. What I what I saw them going through there was absolutely crazy. Do they not deserve to have a commencement speaker, whether it's POTUS or not, to come and talk to them like a normal human being and not go off the rails trying to brag about how many times he's faced down to bad guys over in the Middle East? <laughs> so of course we got to thinking it, uh, it reminded me at least of the the skit from uh, saturday night live john lovett's the pathological lie yeah yeah that, that's the ticket I, I i i caught a mortar round in my teeth and 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 then and and then i went on to like become a four-star general and 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 and, and oh and then i think in this skit did you have the part where he brags about you didn't have the part where he brags about being married to morgan what was it morgan fairchild <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wish we had pulled that because that would be funny because Biden likes to brag about his woman, right? Well, he did not marry. Joe Biden did not marry Morgan Fairchild. All right. Thank you for giving me that laugh there. Uh, speaking of what's supposed to be a uh, great institution of higher learning, Harvard did a poll and it shows I wouldn't I, not only would I not send my kid to Harvard, I, I wouldn't even want my kid anywhere in, in Boston. That's what I think about Harvard. Harvard Harris po- did a poll. They found that 47 percent of Americans believe that Joe Biden is mentally fit to serve as president of the United States, with 53 percent having doubts about his fitness for office among independents. Those members are 39 to 61. 62 percent of Americans believe that Joe Biden is, quote, showing he is too old to be president. Did he not show that at, today? At, 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 at the when you're creeping, I'm your commander in chief. Yeah. You've all got so much to be proud of. You really do. Mm-hmm. By the way, once you're commissioned, remember, I'm your commander in chief. Speaking of commissioned officers, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about true heroes who actually did sacrifice their lives to fight for this country and that's what memorial day is all about a lot of people get it confused memorial day versus veterans day memorial day is when we celebrate those who gave all in service to their country and you're going to want to stay tuned because joining me next is author michelle black 
who's a gold star wife, and she's written the book Sacrifice, A Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. Stay tuned. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. This is the Friday night before Memorial Day weekend. We're going to be off on, on Memorial Day, and uh, but we will still be, I will be spending that day honoring those who gave all in service to our country. We got to also remember that our friend Dave Elhoff, the financial thought doctor, a uh, former Navy backseater uh, in the Navy, um, he's going to be part of the TAPS that you can hear. Uh, and I'm going to post on social media how Dave's you can, a real top gun. He is a real top gun, and he's going to be playing his horn off of his balcony and joining others at 3 p.m. on Monday afternoon, 3 p.m. Pacific time, to honor uh, those who gave all in, in line of, in service to our country. And that's what Memorial Day is all about versus Veterans Day, which honors everybody who has served. Well, there's nobody who knows more what Memorial Day means than my next guest here. It's Michelle Black. And she is an author, Gold Star Wife, um, published author in places like New York Times, Daily Beast, and Task and Purpose. But she's also written a book called Sacrifice, A Gold Star's Widow, A Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. Let me give you a little bit of a background on the story. When four Green Berets were killed in an ambush in Niger in 2017, you might or might not remember this, but lots happened since then. The media and the American public largely focused on Trump's ham-fisted condolence call to one of the widows. That might spark your memory because that was pretty controversial, at least for some. But for Michelle Black, whose husband Brian was one of the men killed in the attack, this ordeal was made indescribably worse by vague and conflicting reports from the army about what happened that night along the Niger-Mali border. And suddenly she was a widow struggling to raise two sons alone, and she was determined to discover the facts about how and why her husband and his comrades died. And she joins me now to talk about her book, Sacrifice, a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. Michelle Black, it's an honor to have you on tonight's Andrea K. Show. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so um, let's start with your story. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like. This is every... Um, wife of, of a serviceman or husband too, because we, uh, we have husbands who have wives that are serving overseas, but this is, this is the family's worst fear to get that knock on the door, the phone call that this has happened. Take us back to that and, and then start your story from there. Yeah, it really is. Brian had left, um, in August, late August and had only been gone about five weeks when mm. I, got a call from my mother-in-law stating that there was a news flash across her phone that a Green Beret team had been attacked along the Mali-Niger border and um, that several had been killed. And I knew instantly before I even received the knock. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, wow. Um, so then you're, you're in, 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 at a, here you are grieving. Well, First of all, there's the shock, right, before you can even, the grieving process. And then you find yourself um, trying to get answers. Um, is that how, what actually had you go from a place of having to deal with the shock and having to deal with the grief and the loss of your husband, who's given his life in, in service to his country? You're also now a mom and a widower. How did you go from that to going, something's not right here. I need to start looking into this. Well, there were multiple things. Initially, you know, obviously it was a huge media firestorm right away. 
And that Mm -hmm. continued. And then we began to hear reports coming out of the media that there were leaks coming from officials within the investigation. Of course, they were all anonymous, but they were saying that the team had gone rogue, acted like a bunch of cowboys and had gone to hunt down a terrorist. But anybody who knows special operators, particularly Green Berets, and me knowing my husband, they do not go rogue. There was mm-hmm. no way this story was true. So I dismissed it as the media is just trying to be the first to the story. This can't be coming from the investigation. Um, a couple months later, then uh, um, an ISIS propaganda video was released, actually, of three of the men's deaths, including my husband. And that mm-hmm. spread like wildfire across social media. Um, it, initially, it was released by CBS and um, SoftRep. And then it just became this thing that still is circulating to this day. I'm so glad I I didn't see that. Excuse me for interrupting. I'm so grateful right now. I never saw that. I can't even imagine. My heart is just breaking for you right now. Yeah, it it was horrific and still is. I still, you know, I still get notes from from Jeremiah's family because his girls were teens at the time. And they had seen it as teenagers right when it came across my kids were 9 and 11. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's absolutely horrific. And so as as we go through all of this, our only hope is, hey, at least at the end of it, we will find out how this happened. We'll get some answers and, and at least um, there'll be some lessons learned and, and we'll prevent future teams from, you know, having this happen to them maybe. Not, not death because it's just, that's war. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can provide more assets or, or see what really led to this. And instead, what happened when we got into our family brief is they led once again with what we'd heard in the media, which was that this team had acted like a bunch of cowboys and had gone rogue um, chasing after a terrorist. And they continued to blame those lows down the chain. They were very vague. They did not give us a detailed timeline of events on the ground. And in the end, it was very clear that we were giving, being given half-truths and some outright lies. Mm. And um, the following week, there was a media brief because of, you know, just how much media was following this story. And the general over all of AFRICOM, the four-star general, General Waldhauser, went on to say not only were these lower-level men responsible and were they going to actually start punishing them, but that my husband's team was not indicative of what special operators do. <gasps> And at that wow. point, it completely dishonored all those who had fought and died alongside my husband. And I thought, this is mm. too much. This is too much. So I pulled the men aside who had survived, and I asked them to please just give me the truth, and would they interview with me, and I would write a book. And um, somehow I convinced them to trust me, and they sat with me one at a time over the course of, I, I would say, two months starting in May 2018, and I wrote their stories, and then I began to interview upper and lower level officers who were involved in the incident, and what I found was that there were huge disparities between what we were told and what actually happened. We're talking to Michelle Black, author of the book Sacrifice, A Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. I'm shook at the idea that I'm the daughter of two Marines. To give you a little background, I didn't serve my country, but my, my parents were Marines, And um, I was raised to have such a faith in our Department of Defense and our Pentagon and the chain of command, you know, the old, you know, from the movie, you know, son, we follow orders or people die. You just follow you. You trust the you trust your chain of command and you trust those at the top. And to imagine you sitting there and not just being lied to, but having 
these heroes be besmirched and betrayed in the worst way, attacking their service, their morality, their integrity, everything about who they were is just astounding to me. Yeah, and that's, that's I, I was floored. So it became my mission. I didn't care what it took, what it cost. I didn't care if I published it myself and just, you know, yelled from the rooftops. I needed the world to know that these men were innocent, mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be punished, that they, they were heroes, and that the real um, the real villains here were um, AFRICOM, who essentially investigated AFRICOM, which is Africa Command, mm-hmm. and that they were covering for for upper-level officers simply so that they didn't lose a promotion. So wow. all of a sudden, these promotions were more important than lives, and I wasn't having it. Well, I, I'm... It sounds like the the those that survived weren't having it either because I kind of find it extraordinary and they were willing to sit down with you and share what really happened. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was quite a thing for them to actually trust me, especially since the majority of them are still operational. But they were beginning to be tapped for second interviews with the investigators, so they knew that pretty soon they were going to be having their career ending Gomorrah's coming down, which is a general officer um, memorandum of reprimand. And so they would be um, basically losing their careers over something, uh, basically over orders they took against their will. Let's, they had pushed back. Oh, they had. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They um, had to return to base. Let's talk about what this mission was all about, because they tried to act it. They tried to hang them out to dry and leave them out on the limb saying they went rogue when the mission itself was flawed. Yes. Tell everybody about that. Yes. So initially it was simply a um, they, they were in country on an advise and assist mission. So they were there training um, their partner forces. So they went out on a one day mission down to this uh, or up to this town called Tillowa just to see they'd, they'd heard that a terrorist had been in the area and they had been ordered to go up there and just kind of look around and run a training mission. Um, it had been well outside the window of intelligence. So there was no chance the guy was there. So they went up, they did the um, operation, completed it successfully and were on their way back to base when they received a call from those higher up the chain saying, Hey, we got a piece of Intel that this guy is now moving up near the Mali border. We want you guys to go. And they said, we can't. We're, we're in an eight-vehicle convoy. We're moving very slow. We're not that kind of team. We don't do those kinds of missions. And we don't have the assets in country. We don't have um, Kazavak. So if anything happens and someone gets injured, there's no way out of there. And in Africa, the response times, even with helicopters, are going to be about five to six hours. So it's way outside that window of being able to keep someone alive if something goes wrong. And they knew that on the Mali-Niger border, it was a hotbed of terrorism. So they pushed back and said, we do not want to go unless you can provide us with a Helleborn unit to go in with us that will provide us the necessary Kazavak as well as um, general air support. And they could create a blocking position to the north because we don't have permission to cross into Mali. So if they got up there and the terrorists were up there, the terrorists could just run across mm-hmm. into Mali. And so they, they pushed back. But what happened was a Hellborn unit did come on, um, come on into the mission. And so my husband's team was ordered to start driving and to meet the Hellborn unit up there. Once my husband's team got to the position they were supposed to be at, which was a 12-hour drive through the night, and they had used their, wow. their nods to get there. When they got there, 
they found out that there had been a sandstorm and the Helleborn unit got turned around. So they requested to return to base saying that it's too dangerous and there's no way we can complete the mission successfully on our own anyway. And they were told that it didn't matter. They didn't get to choose their missions. They were going to go ahead anyway. And then the worst happened. Yes. Wow. Um, I am so sorry. Thank you. I am at a complete loss of, you know, I'm in shock um, that this is my beloved, you know, DOD. Um, I had my my Uncle Jake was at um, Benning. I don't know if that's where your husband went through. And, you know, just just just, just, I'm just shocked that my U.S. government and, and military um, didn't uh, didn't own up to their response that, that did this mission in the first place, gave these orders, forced them to do this, and then betrayed them on the back end. And I think this is an, a story um, that a lot of Americans may not want to know about, but we have to know. And I want to know what your goal is and what you want people to take away from this story and how you think the DOD should change as a result. There are several things. First of all, to the military families who have um, lost somebody and they suspect that somebody is lying. I want them to know that they're the ones who can stand up. These mm-hmm. guys on the teams, um, the men that are actually in, they, they can't do anything about it without losing their career. So normally they just accept it. But us as the surviving family members, we can do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's why I wrote the book, because I realized I was the only one who could do anything for these guys and for my family and for the other families to find out the truth. Um, and, you know, the other thing is that we do need to see these investigations changed um, the way they're done, especially the informal investigations, which is what this was. It was done um, Basically, an investigating officer was chosen from the four-star general above him in mm. AFRICOM. And so, obviously, no fault was found on the part of AFRICOM. Of course. Not. And the AFRICOM general had a vested interest in certain people um, not being blamed. And, you know, so in the end, uh, well, and the thing with informal investigations is that you don't call defendants. So there is no one specifically defending themselves. And yet if you, if anybody is found guilty of anything, they could still lose their careers, but they don't get a chance to defend themselves. Well, and a lot of people don't understand that there is a, a different um, accountability legal system in the, in the military that's, that's different and from the rest of us. And, and, you know, when people sign up, whether they're commissioned officer, grunts in the field, whoever they are, what, what level, um, they put their trust in the, the chain of command and in that system. And I'm just, it's just, um, and there's got to be accountability. And one of the ways where we can hold these, these leaders accountable is by making sure that the truth comes out and maybe we can affect change that way or at least as you said inspire other families to demand answers and to know that there is power in that on the other end and I do hope um, that he got uh, you know um, a, a burial with 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 honors yeah well you know and, and we did we did receive that oh good uh, very fortunately yes um, so I just well, and we buried him, you know, in October, and the results from the investigation didn't come out until the following uh, May or April. So, you know, um, at that point, it, it wouldn't have affected it. But, you know, it, it was pretty incredible to watch um, them just besmirch everybody. Um, and 
at this point just to change things moving forward. I have started um, a nonprofit to advocate for changes, policy changes for Gold Star families and for soldiers and hopefully also affect, most importantly, affect the way investigations are done. Not all chain of commands, you know, handle things the way this one did. This isn't common, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, I imagine those leaders that are good leaders, which are most of them, would appreciate, you know, mm-hmm. some some sort of policy change that makes sure that those who aren't honest and aren't the best leaders are held accountable. Got to weed weed out the bad actors, and they exist in every institution and every aspect of society. And it's just important that there's accountability for that. And I thank you for for writing this book. And tell everybody how they can get it. The book is Sacrifice, a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. Yeah, it is everywhere books are sold. In fact, I will be doing a book tour soon. Good. And um, this coming week, uh, next Thursday, I'm actually going to be in La Jolla at Warwick. Oh, yay! Yeah, 7.30 p.m. I will be there. Oh, that's fantastic. Warwick's, if if you're in San Diego and you have not been to Warwick's in La Jolla, you are missing out. Um, It's just a fantastic bookstore and a great way um, to support Michelle Black and to support uh, her family and to support the truth. And the book is Sacrifice, a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. What day is that next week? It's Thursday, June 2nd. June 2nd. I think you said 7.30 p.m. 7.30 p.m. All right. I'm going to post that on the socials. Make sure everybody knows about it. Michelle Black, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. All right, y'all stay tuned. we got more to talk about on the other side of the break. Guess what LA has decided to ban coming up <laughs> in the name of green energy. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. Andrea K., the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Before the break, we had a d- long, nice discussion. Well, I can't say it was a nice discussion. We, we were talking to Michelle Black, author of the book, Sacrifice, a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth about her husband, who um, was sent on a failed mission by the AFRICOM and then um, betrayed afterwards. And uh, I can't wait to read the book. And, and I might even have to make my way to Warwick's in La Jolla to meet her next week because what an amazing hero she is. And what a, what a reminder of what Memorial Day is all about. So this is, uh, we got just about 20 more minutes left of the show as we go into Memorial Day weekend. And I'm definitely um, honored to have had Michelle Black on the show. But I also will be thinking this weekend of all the Gold Star families and Gold Star widows and wives and just everybody who's been a part of this amazing thing called the U.S. military in which people volunteer, volunteer to go in towards the bullets, right? And to face down the bad guys to preserve our freedoms. And one of the things that they're preserving is the Second Amendment right of this country. That's one of the things they're doing. Speaking of freedoms, in an attempt to grab our freedoms, when the left decided to try to uh, go after the energy sector to the degree that they did. It has nothing to do with any thoughts about greenhouse gas emissions. It ain't got nothing to do with carbon footprint. It ain't got nothing to do with anything but power. Because if you can control the energy sector, if you can control health care, 
you've pretty much got control over over most of you can of, get most people to do most things that you want right i mean you look at the effect that it's having on people when they can't afford a gallon of gas right you look at what, what the impact it's having on people because of gas prices causing the uh, prices on everything else to go up and shortages of food supply i mean it affects every aspect of our life and then of course we don't have to t- remind you of of how under the guise of public health how that gave them power um they're hoping that they're going to completely change our society by jacking us on gas prices. They're still in the process, having given up here in uh, San Diego County and other areas in California and beyond, in which they're going to put us on road diets, right? Make us miserable by taking a very heavily trafficked area and make it go from six lanes down to two, right? To where you're so, the, the idea is through controlling energy that they're going to make you so miserable. You're going to, everybody's going to want to give up their, you know, a four bedroom house or three bedroom house or whatever in a suburb and move to a 500 square foot apartment in, in, a, in, a, in a high rise and ride a bike to work. You know what the problem is with that, Andrea, too, as we're talking about this is, especially for the families out there, they can't do that. Right. There's a lot of reasons why they can't do that. The next uh, one of the one of the next phases as part of their plan to use energy as a way to control and change our culture comes out of L.A. The L.A. City Council voted uh, today to ban most gas appliances in new construction. A policy that's expected, and this comes from L.A. Times, a policy that's expected to result in new homes and business and businesses too, coming equipped with electric stoves, clothes dryers, water heaters, and furnaces. Skins, can you help me? Can you help? I'm confused here because is electricity supposed to be bad? Now we got to go from gas to electric appliances. Gas is supposed to be one of the most clean forms of energy out there. Right. At least that's what we've been told. Right. Uh, going on with the article, more than 50 California cities and counties have adopted, adopt, adopted similar rules banning or discouraging gas hookups in new homes and other buildings. Uh, according to council member... Ramon, I'm not sure if I'm uh, pronouncing his name correctly. No, no intentional disrespect. The nation's largest, uh, second largest city has been late to the game, but no longer. Friday's vote, he says, puts us in line with climate leaders across the country. Um, the zero, it's, it's all based on, uh, trying to have zero emissions free buildings, emissions free buildings. Cause, you know, the, and this is so classic of how it shifts. Electricity is supposed to be bad one day and then they got to shift it to where now it's all about, it, it, you know, emissions and having to have emissions free. So now we got to get rid of gas. Um, ultimately it's about trying to get rid of both of them. That's the end play that's going on. Um, they're saying that, uh, electricity, these emission free buildings means they don't add to the carbon dioxide pollution that's heating the planet and leading to more destructive wildfires, more intense droughts and deadlier heat waves. Where are they connecting that, those dots from? The rash of fires we've had out here in the last few years primarily started from homeless encampments or arsonists. If they want to talk about the climate, guess what? Uh, a couple of media guys I like, not going to name them here. We have that in California because we live in a desert. Yeah, we live in a desert. And that means when you don't get rid of the brush and you let it grow and grow and grow and become very dense and become very dry. It's not hard. And then we've got homeless encampments to where, you know, they're, you know, lighting fires and doing all kinds of stuff. You know, they, they you know, it's, it's bad news. I'm not aware of any wildfire that's happened out here because of somebody's gas range inside of their kitchen. Are you? You aware of no, that? No, not at all. 
Um, they, it's kind of fuzzy as to when this is going to take place. The zero emission policy is likely to take effect in the next few years. It doesn't mean, though, that every home and business will need to be zero emissions starting in 2023. There could be phased and compliance schedule for different types of buildings, such as restaurants that rely on gas, rely on gas stoves. So, of course, things like Plump Jack which is owned restaurant owned by yeah french laundry yeah so of course they've they're going to have to carve out you know the friends and family plan um they have they're uh, they're touting a 50 unit five uh story affordable apartment building uh up in la as you know the the you know benchmark it has solar panels and it's all electric meaning no gas stoves boilers or water heaters fueling the climate crisis um meanwhile the Gas Association has said Southern California Gas, the nation's largest gas utility, argues that gas is more reliable than electricity because it isn't vulnerable to disruptions on the nation's increasingly fragile power grid. They also note that electricity prices are rising dramatically in the Golden State, and they are. So they That's another reason. Well, that yes, because what did I say at the open of this segment? They want to make you is is it puts you in as much excruciating pain as possible. Anything related to fossil fuels, anything related to electricity, Natural and they, gas is cheap. And yes, it's safe. Exactly. Natural gas is cheap and it's safe. And according to the American Gas Association and industry trade group. Pipelines and other gas infrastructure will be crucial for fighting climate change because they can transport and store non-fossil fuels such as hydrogen or biomethane harvested from cow manure. Um, so this is just more of the craziness. And so and, and at a time in which this is intentional, as I said, ultimately, the game is, is about control over you through the phony science of climate change. This is a part of the Great Reset, as we've talked about and um, here's some good news, though. At least 20, I think it is. Let me make sure my number's right. 20 mostly Republican-led states have passed laws prohibiting local governments from banning gas in new housing. So, um, yay for California. Yeah. So, but well, I mean, yay for the 20 Republican-led yeah, no, states. Definitely for sure. Something else to be thinking about. If you're thinking about leaving California or Democrat state, this is something you might want to look at. Go, go find a, a state that's not going to be involved in this kind of craziness. And might we just say, too, at the end of the segment, Andrea, how much, and you and I both agree on this, how much more awesome it is to cook on a gas stove? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I tried to cook on an electric stove, dishes that I perfected, and it never turns out right. Right. And now part of the part of the new uh, products uh, along those lines are what they're calling magnet tops. Never heard of those. Where they don't even, they, they're just a flat surface that don't even have a, a, an electric burner, the coils, right? It's just a flat surface that's like a magnet. Like you don't even see where the burner is on it. So, yeah, I mean, it just, it's not even cooking. It's just, it's just... It's all about control. You're not even now. You're not even going to have control of your appliances. So what is this going to do to the appliance manufacturers? It's going to put them out of business, too. Or or are the prices going to go up? I mean, what are they you know, uh, what's going to happen with that in terms of manufacturing? If you want a gas stove, you're going to have to pay twice as much for it. Probably. Yeah. So there's just all kinds of, of implications to this that are absolutely insane. Um, when you are in a country where you no longer get to decide what kind of appliance you live in, you're not a free society anymore. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. We're going to take a break. We come back. Final segment of tonight's Friday night show, Here of the Week and Stink of the Week, as we go into Memorial Day. AK, Dynamite in a Dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her. 
Don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Finishing up our Friday night here as we're going to Memorial Day weekend. We will not be live on Memorial Day. Uh, we have special programming. Salem Media has special programming uh, for you guys on Memorial Day. Don't forget the taps. I'm going to put that on social. It's 3 p.m. through CBS, by the way. Um, they're asking locals to go outside on a balcony, a patio somewhere and play taps if they have uh, any musical abilities. It's at 3 p.m. Pacific time on Monday, Memorial Day. Um all right, here of the week and stink of the week. I think it's clear for me. It's pretty easy for me. Well, you know, it's interesting because typically we would say the stink of the week is the shooter in Texas who went and killed 21 people. And of course, I think you and I are going to be in agreement here. I, I Yeah, I, I think that um, I have to give stink of the week to the law enforcement in Texas yep. because we don't know, regardless of the shooter's intentions and evil they are, and I'm glad he's dead. There I said it. And no, I don't have to understand why he did it. And I do have the right to judge him, mother of the demonic force who went into that school shooting up people. Um I, I, the number of of victims might have been zero, but for the Texas law enforcement who then lied about what happened, who physically held a parent down outside as parents outside, whilst children were still alive, were being held back and told they couldn't go in when they wanted to go in and save their own children. So for me, the stink of the week is the Texas law Hands enforcement. Down. Hands down, without question. Here of the week, um, in general, of course, here of the week is those in the U- United States military who joined up. At times, we've been a, a force that was drafted, but primarily in our history, we've been an all-volunteer force. And there have been millions of Americans who volunteered to join whatever branch, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, in whatever capacity signed up knowing their lives could be at risk at any point and gave all in service to our country. It is incredibly humbling to me as I think about that and the stories we hear like of tonight, Michelle Black's husband, he and his team of Green Beret special forces operatives, the elite, right? The Green Beret part of the elite force, kind of like the SEALs, different, different uh, special operations went on a mission that they knew was failed. They We're only knew. here today, Andrea, because of people like that. Right. To to think to to sign up to do it, to be a special force, a special forces operative, and then to go on a mission knowing that you're being sent probably to your death because the mission was failed and you shouldn't be going on it, and they win anyway. Think about the Benghazi heroes that stood on a rooftop. Some of them were not current active current active duty military, but they had been. There's just so many stories of of the heroes. Who, who give up their lives in, ser- in service to our country that I just, I'm, I'm humbled isn't even, even the right word to say it. And so God bless all the families of those who died in service to this country, to the heroes that have died. I know you can't hear me, but God bless you and thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for your service to this country. You are perpetual forever heroes. And we thank you. And But thank you isn't enough, but that's all I've got. Thank you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.